0: Good to see you again. Thankful for our opportunity to enter into this study. Thank you so much for the song selection. It's exactly the first song in particular is the essence of what I want to say to, uh, this afternoon. Why do we sing? I'm going to mention again why I came up with this series. It's only been something I've put together in the last two months. I just recently preached it in Charlottesville. But we are working with a lot of people who've had very little background in Bible reading, in God, and people are just beginning. And what, I'm talk, what I've been trying to do is trying to help people understand the concept of who God is. But the more I have studied this material, I realize that we need to make sure we have this. And I would say, you're raising children. Here is some things to really try to ingrain in your children. That we do what we do because of who God is. What an awesome God we serve. And if we can get the focus on God and away from people or even a local church, I'm not discounting local church, but I'm saying sometimes people think of church as some kind of entity out here and we do things for the church. Well, we do serve our brethren, but we're serving God. God is why we're here. Uh, worship is not something we do just because of our brethren. But it's a focus on God. And so it's made me appreciate that even in the raising of children, of understanding worship and the ultimate purpose. But let's do talk about this. Why didn't God just take us up to heaven the moment we were baptized? Why not just let's go? Come on, we're done. Let's go to heaven. What work is God doing with us? How would you describe edification? How would you describe what God wants us to do as we pursue discipleship? In Romans 8, I think it's important to recognize how God phrases the work for each of us. We know Romans 8, 28. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now, what are we called to be? If I was to ask you, what are you called to be? Who are you? What are you? I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Look at verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Changing the mind, the heart. Sometimes you might liken this process to what some people may do to a sports hero or somebody else. They really admire and they think. They want to hear them and they want to dress like them and that, that's not necessarily a good thing when we're imitating worldly men. But the essence of the Christian life is becoming filled with God. Thinking about Him, recognizing His presence, recognizing His power. The call to the Christian life is for each of us in time to act and think and speak like Jesus Christ. We're called Christians. Second Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Because i say one more time, the core here is thankfulness. The core here is recognizing who God is. I enjoyed, Paul, some of our discussion today. I appreciate you got that core down. It's all about God. It's not about men. It's about coming to see the greatness of our God and, and so humbled by what He's done for me personally. And I recognize that. And then it changes my thinking. We are we are stubborn mules. All of us are. And it takes some time to change a stubborn mule. And I, that's why I worship, that's why I study, this whole process where we're talking about is something that we should enter into joyfully and over time it changes us. There is root and substance of the Christian life. You read in the Old Testament, you see it in the New, where God says, be holy as I am holy. And you go, wait just a minute, God's perfect, and I sure am not perfect. And that sounds like, why would you, Lord, give us that command? Well, I'll tell you why He does it. You can't have a relationship with God unless You're holy. Now, God forgives us and cleanses us. Where we fall short, His glory takes care of us. If we're not forgiven of sin, we fall short of the glory of God. But you know what God wants to do? He wants us to be with Him for eternity. And holiness is a process. And 1 Peter 2.9 it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who were, not a people, who were not a people but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's providential care. We as Christians, we remember that and from building on that, we learn more about our God and it changes us. It's a terrible thing when Christians are paper thin. They think in terms of only externals. Now, externals are important if you've got the internals right. But sometimes people say, well, what I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be serving my God like I do my taxes. Lord, tell me what the minimum is. I gotta drag my body into a building, okay, I'll do that. I let my body be immersed in water, I'll do that. Now, I'm speaking here in a way that is non Christian. That's not real baptism, but that's your thinking. But some people think that. It's about the church. Well, yeah, we need to know about the church. The church is a product of the authority of God and Jesus as Lord, but ultimately it's about God. And again, if God is not feeling our thoughts, We need to start over in our emphasis. And I'll tell you what, you're going to be happy. You're going to be content. You're going to find peace. You're going to find meaning to life when we have God in our life every day. But changing people is a tall order. I can't do it. You can't do it. But God's got a process where it can happen. And it doesn't happen all at once. Repentance is a process. When you find repentance, it's beautiful. But over time, God takes the raw product of you and I and he changes it gradually, step by step. This sounds like an impossible statement here in Jeremiah, and these are unrepentant people, and people that won't repent, they're not going to be changed. It says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? You know? But God can make change, God knows how to transform us. And so, as I start getting into the Word of God, the Word of God is not just rules. It's the product of a living God who says, "Here's, I have things for you that will bless you. Trust me. Uh, I didn't read the verse. So let's go back to it. If I can get to go back. Well, maybe I won't. Okay. But anyway, basically, yeah, here we go. Basically, God says, look, I've given you rules, and these rules are for your good. Deuteronomy 6.24, it says, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always. I had somebody that we're working with right now in Charlottesville. And we were talking about I'm doing a series on moral issues of our time. And I was talking about so we're going to talk about alcohol. And I said, you know, I I, I don't touch it. And he looked at me, now he has yet become a Christian. He says, Larry, you gonna get have me to give up my beer? And I looked at him and I says, You know, I would never have you give up something just because of me. That what we're gonna do is we're gonna read the word of God. And as you read the Word of God, you'll end up coming to make decisions because of your relationship with God. And he was happy about that, and I was happy about that. One of the things we've had to learn in working with people, there's a lot of issues that people need to change, but you know what? we got to get them first to love God, (laughs) and first to understand what repentance is. And then we'll talk about these issues. I know some of us have more experience in the church. we got all these things to deal with. Yes, we do. And guess what? We, too, have a lot of things that God has to deal with us on. Step at a time, step at a time. Worship is going to be the key here. If we'll get out of this, oh, I got to do it. See, most of the people we're working with right now, they don't know how to worship. I find it interesting as we do reading in the community. I don't even invite people to the services. Eventually, some come and choose to come, but they come. To worship is a learned taste. Hey, people today are thinking, well, he's expecting to be entertained. They're expecting something very fast and quick and not very deep. And worship is a challenge, but you know, we're trying to teach them how to worship, and there's some that are taking up the challenge. That's why I'm doing these lessons. We've got to learn how God changes us. But let me tell you something about singing. Singing is quite interesting as you look at uh, even before the creation. I believe Job 38, when it talks here about The sons of God shouting for joy. This was before man was created. The angelic beings were singing before the world was created. There's something about singing that is very special. And I want to talk with you about that. First Corinthians 14, 15. Again, the first song that was presented, uh, that was led today. We, he is our song. We are basically giving the nature of God back to God in our singing. We're talking about God back to Him. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen, and I have no idea why the chart did that. But anyway, uh, I guess maybe there was some conversion issues on this, uh, this uh, PowerPoint here. 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen says, What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding. My brethren, singing when it's done with understanding is a powerful tool that God uses to change us. So let's get into that. First off, the essence of singing ought to be something that comes from a heart that is overflowing. Now, I recognize, brethren, yes, sometimes we start off and maybe we don't even know what the song means. Maybe we start off and we're just kind of, we're weak spiritually, but wanting to grow. I understand that. But ultimately, the reason why I sing is that I've got that thought, that, that, that conviction that results in emotion. I'm not against emotion, not emotion for emotion's sake. But when emotion comes out of a conviction and it overflows, I know that when Yvette and I dated, we had some favorite secular songs. We had a song that's our song. And so I'll still hear that on the radio today, and I think about that. There's something about singing. It's not only the words, but the very nature of singing. A different part of our brain is affected by singing. And I'll never forget my best friend David Hartzell had a tragic situation happened in a surgery and where there was a drug reaction that ended up damaging his brain and david couldn't communicate very well but you know what he could sing it was fascinating to see that certain parts of the brain could do things and david even though he couldn't communicate well the essence of him was there i could talk about it was very fascinating but but even if children children you know you talk about trying to get them to memorize something. Get them to sing it. And that is amazing to see that process. So as we talk about singing, it should come from a heart that is overflowing. It's interesting when you have the, those appointed in Acts 6 to take care of the tables. It's in Acts 6.3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. If you take some study to talk about somebody who's full of the Holy Spirit, another way of putting that is somebody who's filled with the Word of God. Think about that. Could you and I be described as filled with the Word of God? Now, I'll have to admit to you some of my weaknesses. I have a great weakness in the form of a very rarely made ice cream called Butter Almond Ice Cream by Briars. They don't make much of it anymore, and my waist is thankful. But I remember when Brethren found out that I love butter almond ice cream, people bought me some. I remember one time I was in Auburn, and Emily took a picture in Walmart, my daughter Emily, and they had butter almond ice cream in stock, and I'll have to admit to you in shame, somewhat shame, maybe not too much. But I took me a big spoon and went down, to Walmart and bought me two half gallons of butter almond ice cream and ate some going home. (laughs) I was filled with butter almond ice cream. I loved it. I could eat it. You see, I'll tell you how we found out about this. When we first married, Yvette bought some butter almond ice cream. I never had any before. And I got a bowl. and That was good. You know, I decided to get another bowl. And then the next day, Yvette looked in, was going to get some ice cream. I thought I bought some ice cream. And I said, you did, and it was good. I ate the whole half gallon that one night, so I recognized, you know, maybe I need to go to some recovery meeting of, you know, trying to overcome addiction to butter almond ice cream. But there's a sense where as we get filled with the Word of God, the Word of God, let's talk about the Word of God. We think about the God that we love. You see, that's where singing comes from. And so again, they're described later, verse five, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. And so, as you become filled with the Word of God, and it becomes overflowing. First off, it's conviction—the nature of God—and it's conviction and, and just loving the Word of God. We love the Word of God because it comes from God. Now, I'll say this, brethren: You know this can happen. Sometimes people love the Word of God because they want to be make it something that points to them, and it can be done out of pride. And and, and there's a danger there. First Corinthians eight talks about you know, how knowledge puffs up but love edifies. We've got to be careful that a love of the Word of God is pointing to God and not to us. And we could end up becoming loving to argue or loving to show we know things. Again, let's watch our hearts. God, Satan can take good things and pervert it. And so there's doesn't mean we pull away from the Word of God, but we need to be humble. Look at, go at the passages on singing. Why do we sing? Verse 18. Ephesians 5, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but notice, but be filled with the Spirit. And notice, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the Word of God. Notice, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we recognize what God has done, is doing in our life, when we recognize the power of His Word, singing's just a part of that. It's a natural part of that. And it's not just study. We need to learn to sing. And so, there's the essence of my lesson. But let's be honest. When you first started studying the Word of God, did it fill you up? I remember when I first started studying the Bible, Mom, I said, in my senior year of high school. I was in an automobile accident. I thought I'd died. I really thought I'd died. Hadn't been attending church. Wasn't, they never really had never studied the Bible on my own. And I decided to start doing my own Bible reading that summer. I knew my life was empty. And I'll never forget reading the Bible for the first time. I was fortunate I picked out this little calendar on reading the Bible that had gotten me into the, end of the the book of Luke, the book of Acts, and the book of Romans. I actually, that was some of my early reading. I, was reading. I read a lot from the Psalms. The Psalms are, are basically in essence uh, singing to God. And I'll never forget reading Romans 8 for the first time. And reading that and saying, I want that kind of faith. And so what I'm telling you, I would read the King James Version, and I was terrible in English. Here I am a preacher today. My, math, my strength was math and science, and my weakness was English. I ended up becoming a preacher. Isn't that interesting? But I remember reading the King James Version, and it took a, a paraphrase, good news for modern man. And I just tried to read. I, I wanted to know the Word. Isn't that great, Paul? When you want to know the Word? I've heard your story. It's, it's, it's an inspiration to me when you want to know and you want to read, God will bless you. And that's the essence of what we're trying to do in Charlottesville. We're teaching people how to read the Bible. And it's amazing to see people when the light bulb comes on and they really want to know. But remember, this takes time. James 1 James Therefore, lay aside filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save yourselves. You know what that implanted word is like? It's like you could take a branch off of certain trees and and put it into another tree. It, It becomes part of that tree. What God wants is for that word to become in our hearts, to become implanted. It becomes part of us. This takes time. And again, I'm going to give an illustration, and, 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 and it's not anything that Yvette and I did. I thought, we, we tried. God took our efforts and, and blessed it. But I one, one thing in my oldest son that was a very a thankful event is when his senior year, no, he was in the eighth grade. He was in the eighth grade. And he was, maybe his freshman year, I was trying to remember which year it was, but he was in a huge track meet. And he wanted to break five-minute mile as an eighth grader. And he ran the perfect race. He had run three and a half laps. All he had to do was hit the straightaway. And he was going to smash the five-minute mark. And his legs locked up on him. I didn't know it then, but he had an iron deficiency. Didn't know it. Found out about it later. But he almost fell down. He couldn't finish. Everybody passed him. And he didn't break five minutes. Now, you've got to understand as guys. Now, you know, somebody says, okay, you just missed a few seconds. Well, not with a guy. Here you had the goal in place. And he was devastated. I mean, he was emotional. He was hurt. He withdrew from the track team to another part of the stadium. And I wanted to check on him. And I looked, and he had his Bible open. And he was hurting and finding comfort in reading. I think he was reading from the Psalms. And as a parent, I'm going, yes, okay, <laughs> yes, yes. And, and again, I, God, God does more than anything we can do. But you see, if you can get your children to that point, then that, that's, that's an amazing thing. So again, most of my lesson is just going to be the development of these points. Singing comes from a heart that knows the grace of God. Brethren, our conversion ought to always move us. We should never forget we've been converted. We should never forget the significance of our own forgiveness. Listen to Psalms 100. Why do I sing? Why do I have a, make, have a praise God? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that The Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name for the Lord God is good, His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. Brethren, when we make it about God, we will always have a clear view of this life, and what is empty, and what is worthwhile, we'll always have a clear view of where we stand before God. And worship is going to be something we are just happy to do. It's natural we talk about giving thanks. When somebody's given you a tremendous gift that you did not deserve, provided you something that you dearly need, and you didn't think you are going to get, it's just natural to say, thank you. And that's what worship is. When I understand God's love is undeserved. When I understand, I look back into my life and I prayed for things. I prayed. One of the things I prayed for, I wanted God to help me find somebody to help me go to heaven with. I said I'm not going to marry if I didn't, couldn't marry a Christian. And I'm thankful that I was able to meet a vet. When you make your determination to serve God, He gives great gifts. The real challenge we face, brethren, and, and this is uh, we did a recent series in, in Charlottesville too. You'll, you'll see this theme here. We've been doing a lot of material on seeing the unseen. It was on heaven and the afterlife. The emphasis in Scripture of seeing the unseen is tremendous. You look at almost any page of the Bible, there's just a whole bulk of things we're expected to believe that are not seen. How do you see the unseen? You've got to do it on purpose. And you've got to renew it. If we get too busy and too worn down... And we're just barely surviving. Sometimes we're just trying to make sure we don't run into the person in front of us as we're going to work and we're trying to pay the bills and we're trying to fix our aches and pains and we can end up not looking at the unseen. We've got to keep the unseen before us. You don't know God and that from what you've seen directly. God is unseen. No man has seen God. God is unseen, but indirectly through His creation, we can know of Him. But here is our challenge, brethren. When we let the seen overpower the unseen, our attitude becomes a mess. Psalm 73, 15, you know about ASAP. I call him as soon as possible. I don't know if that's what, you know, we know how that works. But he was, he was way too rushed. He didn't take time. He went through a period he wasn't thinking about God. And he was thinking, man, this world's going to, to, to pits. This country's going down the tubes. Wait, do we hear that often? Yes, yeah, sure it is. It's crime. People that are unjust are ruling. They're cheating. They're doing this. Everything's going to be a mess. It sure is a mess. always has been a mess. Is that what we want to focus on? Psalm 73, 15. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Now notice verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood therein. There is where singing and worship helps us. Do you find worship boring? Many people I'm working with, they would admit, yes, I do. And that's okay if worship is boring. We can change that. But how you change it is, as I've said earlier, to become filled with the Word of God. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Brethren, it is okay. Get this. It is okay if right now you have a struggle with being bored in worship. If you're determined, I'm going to change that. And where you change it is get into your reading and again talk to God, pray to God. What's your favorite hymns? I appreciate the singing we had. And what's your favorite hymns? As a kid, sometimes you know, I, I think the kids love the wise man built his house on the rock in Vacation Bible School because not because of the, the, the floods came and the, and the house stood, but they kind of like to sing the one about the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And it goes, they get to do that, you know. I, I realize as kids sometimes it's the action, it's the beat, it's things that are interesting. But the, the more we get into knowing God, we, it's those songs that talk about His love and, and our struggles and how God's luck takes care of us. And so, these are things to think about. We want our worship to be God-centered and not man-centered. And so, you know, if we don't worship correctly, we're not going to be changed. I think it's a tragedy today. Frankly, I'm just telling you, in churches today, how do they want to attract people? Let's put in the best performers. Let's put in the rock band. Let's put in the, have the shortest sermon possible and let it be as shallow as possible, and let's sing songs that almost sound like the modern day secular love songs. Okay? You can get people there, and it's shallow. If you want to stand in difficult times, you need depth. Idolatry, interesting statements made. Where it talks about the idols, they don't speak, they don't hear, they don't do anything, and it, even in the psalmist talks about how they take some wood and they make a fire, and then they make an idol. Oh, you're our God. But uh, verse eight, shallow worship changes you, and not in a good way. It says, "Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them." And I do think it's a tragedy right now in our country to see the mega churches. With almost the McDonald's, you know, uh, you know, just quality of just mass production. Again, I, 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 I'm not trying to put people down per se here, but even people who've been in these movements, they're saying we're creating shallow people that don't know how to read the Word of God. So, now, a couple points. And then I had a goal ending early, but you know me. I mean, the time has flown. I hope it has for you, you know. But singing, here's an interesting thing about singing. We talked about prayer last night. Did you know singing helps us pray? We're using a different part of our brain. But most of the Psalms are prayers that are sung, Like here, Psalms 4.1, Hear me when I call, O God of righteousness. Uh, You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. People are singing prayers. And remember, there's something about that. It's not prayer. Singing is not prayer. The same rules for singing are not the same rules for prayer. Okay? But there's something about singing it that is another element of development of our heart. Uh, when you, we read Colossians 5.19, Colossians 3.16. Have you noticed that the early church, they sang psalms? They took the Old Testament psalms and sang them. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual psalms. James 5.13, Is any among you suffering? Let him sing psalms. And so let's think about that. Why? Shouldn't we be just enough to pray it? Shouldn't it be enough just to read it? Why do we need to sing it? Let's think about that. Psalms 42.3 My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go to the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. You know, you read Psalms like this. And we can identify, look at this verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. Now, I'm going to take a step back from spiritual things. And I can remember as a teenager and a young boy in his 20s, of going through a romantic time, of dating somebody, then falling apart, and loving to sing a song about, oh, I'm in love, or oh, somebody sing me a sad song, oh no, you know. It's, there's something about experiencing it and then singing it. And I will tell you right now, I can hear some of the secular songs on the radio and I vividly remember the period of time when I heard them. There's something about singing. And when we're singing God's truth, there's something about that that it does for our soul. Some more beautiful psalms. My soul waits wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from Him. He is my only rock in my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. We sang that last night, didn't we? Yeah. In my God's my salvation in my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God and we can keep going. There's a quote I found interesting. And I've been trying to say it, but here's one writer that says it. The great value of singing our prayers is not the activity of singing helps us to engage, is that the activity of singing helps us to engage with the emotional dimensions of the truths we are saying or the petitions we are praying. In other words, singing plays a critical role in helping us to bridge the gap between the cognitive and the affective aspects of our humanity And as many of the lament Lament songs illustrate, in other words, we're just saying there's an emotional depth to this, and it's not shallow, and it's not insignificant. Our whole being is involved. Okay, Um, I remember not only the beauty of songs, but sometimes I remember songs when they were sung at certain events. There's some blessed brethren that have passed on. I've had the privilege of conducting several funerals. And I love to preach a funeral at a faithful Christian. Now, I don't like that the faithful Christian is gone. But there's something powerful for that life standing. And then when you sing the Psalms and you think of the life of that individual. When I preach and give passages and you think of the life of that individual. There's a depth to that. And so singing. And one of the things I've loved when we were in Charlottesville the first time, my daughter... Who was in middle school, she gave me a list of songs and she, she liked to pick songs during singing and she gave me a long list and I took that list and I kept it in my wallet. <laughs> and I wanted to sing songs my daughter wanted to sing. Even as our kids were being raised, they each had a favorite song. And uh, Stevens was trust and obey. Nathan was, I want to be a worker for the Lord. You know, and we like that. We loved our children to be identified with singing. Again, parents, that's a big deal. That's a great thing. Sing. We've had a singing home. And it's not that we were perfect, it's not that we didn't make mistakes. But singing is a very powerful tool in so many ways. And so, um, so again, um, last section. Singing is a powerful way of building up, brethren. Brethren, I loved our little singing we had before we got here. First off, I had eaten too much and I needed some activity. And so, you know, kind of, but, 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 but it, singing brings my mind up. Now, you guys have been great in listening. I didn't know how well y'all would endure sound doctrine today, you know, having eaten as you have. But, you know, if you get me preaching, hey, man, my mind comes up. But see, when we get worship, it, it can just bring the mind up real quickly as we learn to worship. And so true worship is to build us up. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. And I appreciate some of these people who've, who've chosen the songs and the song books. It's very important you sing substantive songs that reflect the Word of God. That is really, really important. That's another lesson for another time. Now, there's one thing I do want to emphasize to you. Here's one thing I want you to remember in this lesson. What does God love? You don't have many verses. You have some. Where God says, this is what I am seeking. And when you have God saying this, please pay attention. Now listen to this. you Back in World War I, I think they used to have the recruitment posters, Uncle Sam wants you. Listen to this recruitment poster. It is, the Father, the Eternal Father of the Heavens wants this. Read it again. Notice John 4.23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, Will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Now look at this next phrase. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Brethren, there are not many true worshipers. But if we can become a true worshipper, this is something that God loves. Verse 24: God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Understanding, meaning it, being sincere in what we teach. And so again, uh, there's the power. One last thing I want to talk about, and that is the idea of worship. Singing is worship, and we're going to develop this in the idea of giving. We're going to go in the next lesson, we're going to develop this. But you know what worship is? We are giving God a gift. What gift does God want? Does He want our money? Not really. (laughs) You know, back in the Old Testament, oh, He wants me to give Him a cattle and I sacrifice the cattle. God's hungry. God says, look, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. I own it all. (laughs) You know what He wants? He wants our hearts. When we give money, it should be done from the heart. God loves a cheerful giver, not a stingy person like, "Oh, this is taxes. Oh, let me do the minimum. Ooh, let me just get this by." No, God loves givers. It's worship. Hebrews 2.11, For both He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which he reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Jesus is here with us now when we sing. Jesus is with us at the Lord's Supper. It's fellowship with God. We are His children. In Hebrews 13.15, Therefore, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our fingers. Nope, we didn't say that. Not of music. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. What has God heard from us in our singing? Again, brethren, I'm not trying to lay guilt on you. I'm just saying, God really does want to hear from us. He really wants our worship. I don't know why He wants my worship. I don't know why He loves me, but He does. Isn't that good news? He can take us the mess we've made in our lives, and we can turn it around. Our God is an awesome God. And what a great thing we have to be able to worship Him. And by the way, I'll just note it in the outline. Remember we read, we read Colossians Ephesians 519 Colossians 3:16 about singing. Did you know there's one another words here? When we sing, we sing as a congregation. You know why we don't have a choir? You know why we don't have professional singers up here because God wants to hear from all of us. I'm not here to watch you worship. And me applaud you as you're the performer. We are all the performers before God, and we're giving God our very best. We may feel it's insignificant, but we're humbly giving it to God. And God says, There's a rich gift to me. Worship is challenging, worship is to be learned. But when we end up worshiping like we should, guess who gets changed? We do. I love singing the old gospel over and over again. I love remembering what God's done for me. What rich gifts God gives us. All right, thank you. I'm going to go ahead and we'll take a break now. We'll sit there and we'll pick up with the next lesson in a moment.